Section 96 of The Book of Household Management. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Kara Schallenberg. The Book of Household Management by Isabella Beaton. Domestic Servants. Chapter 41. Part 4. Upper and Under Housemaids. 2291. Housemaids, in large establishments, have usually one or more assistants. In this case they are upper and under housemaids. Dividing the work between them, the upper housemaid will probably reserve for herself the task of dusting the ornaments and cleaning the furniture of the principal apartments, but it is her duty to see that every department is properly attended to. The number of assistants depends on the number in the family, as well as on the style in which the establishment is kept up. In wealthy families it is not unusual for every grown-up daughter to have her waiting-maid, whose duty it is to keep her mistress's apartments in order, thus abridging the housemaid's duties. In others, perhaps, one waiting-maid attends on two or three, when the housemaid's assistance will be more requisite. In fact, every establishment has some customs peculiar to itself, on which we need not dwell. The general duties are the same in all, perfect cleanliness, and order being the object. Duties of the Housemaid 2292 Cleanliness is next to godliness, saith the proverb, and order is in the next degree. The housemaid, then, may be said to be the handmaiden to two of the most prominent virtues. Her duties are very numerous, and many of the comforts of the family depend on their performance, but they are simple and easy to a person naturally clean and orderly, and desirous of giving satisfaction. In all families, whatever the habits of the master and mistress, servants will find it advantageous to rise early. Their daily work will thus come easy to them. If they rise late, there is a struggle to overtake it, which throws an air of haste and hurry over the whole establishment. Where the master's time is regulated by early business or professional engagements, this will, of course, regulate the hours of the servants. But even where that is not the case, servants will find great personal convenience in rising early and getting through their work in an orderly and methodical manner. The housemaid who studies her own ease will certainly be at her work by six o'clock in the summer, and probably half-past six or seven in the winter months, having spent a reasonable time in her own chamber in dressing. Earlier than this would, probably, be an unnecessary waste of coals and candle in winter. 2293. The first duty of the housemaid in winter is to open the shutters of all the lower rooms in the house, and take up the hearth-rugs of those rooms which she is going to do before breakfast. In some families, where there is only a cook and housemaid kept, and where the drawing-rooms are large, the cook has the care of the dining-room, and the housemaid that of the breakfast-room, library, and drawing-rooms. After the shutters are all opened, she sweeps the breakfast-room, sweeping the dust towards the fireplace, of course previously removing the fender. She should then lay a cloth, generally made of coarse wrappering, over the carpet in front of the stove, and on this should place her housemaid's box, containing black-lead brushes, leathers, emery paper, cloth, black lead, and all utensils necessary for cleaning a grate, with the cinder-pail on the other side. 2294. 
She now sweeps up the ashes, and deposits them in her cinder pail, which is a japanned tin pail with a wire sifter inside and a closely fitting top. In this pail the cinders are sifted, and reserved for use in the kitchen or under the copper, the ashes only being thrown away. The cinders disposed of, she proceeds to blacklead the grate, producing the blacklead, the soft brush for laying it on, her blacking and polishing brushes from the box which contains her tools. This housemaid's box should be kept well stocked. Having blackened, brushed, and polished every part, and made all clean and bright, she now proceeds to lay the fire. Sometimes it is very difficult to get a proper polish to black grates, particularly if they have been neglected and allowed to rust at all. Brunswick black, which is an excellent varnish for grates, may be prepared in the following manner. 2,295 Ingredients 1 pound of common asphaltum, half pint of linseed oil, 1 quart of oil of turpentine. Mode Melt the asphaltum, and add gradually to it the other two ingredients. Apply this with a small painter's brush, and leave it to become perfectly dry. The grate will need no other cleaning, but will merely require dusting every day, and occasionally brushing with a dry blacklead brush. This is, of course, when no fires are used. When they are required, the bars, cheeks, and back of the grate will need blackleading in the usual manner. 2,296 Fire-lighting, however simple, is an operation requiring some skill. A fire is readily made by laying a few cinders at the bottom in open order. Over this a few pieces of paper, and over that again eight or ten pieces of dry wood. Over the wood a course of moderate-sized pieces of coal, taking care to leave hollow spaces between for air at the centre, and taking care to lay the hole well back in the grate, so that the smoke may go up the chimney, and not into the room. This done, Fire the paper with a match from below, and, if properly laid, it will soon burn up. The stream of flame from the wood and paper soon communicating to the coals and cinders, provided there is plenty of air at the centre. 2,297 A new method of lighting a fire is sometimes practised with advantage, the fire lighting from the top and burning down in place of being lighted and burning up from below. This is arranged by laying the coals at the bottom, mixed with a few good-sized cinders, and the wood at the top, with another layer of coals and some paper over it. The paper is lighted in the usual way, and soon burns down to a good fire, with some economy of fuel, as is said. 2,298 Bright grates require unceasing attention to keep them in perfect order. A day should never pass without the housemaid rubbing with a dry leather the polished parts of a grate, as also the fender and fire-irons. A careful and attentive housemaid should have no occasion ever to use emery paper for any part but the bars, which, of course, become blackened by the fire. Some mistresses, to save labour, have a double set of bars, one set bright for the summer, and another black set to use when fires are in requisition. When bright grates are once neglected, small rust-spots begin to show themselves, which a plain leather will not remove. The following method of cleaning them must then be resorted to. First, thoroughly clean with emery paper. Then take a large, smooth pebble from the road, sufficiently large to hold comfortably in the hand, with which rub the steel backwards and forwards one way, until the desired polish is obtained. 
It may appear at first to scratch, but continue rubbing, and the result will be success. The following is also an excellent polish for bright stoves and steel articles. 2299. Ingredients. 1 tablespoonful of turpentine, 1 ditto of sweet oil, emery powder. Mode. Mix the turpentine and sweet oil together, stirring in sufficient emery powder to make the mixture of the thickness of cream. Put it on the article with a piece of soft flannel, rub off quickly with another piece, then polish with a little dry emery powder and clean leather. 2300. The several fires lighted, the housemaid proceeds with her dusting and polishing the several pieces of furniture in the breakfast parlour, leaving no corner unvisited. Before sweeping the carpet it is a good practice to sprinkle it all over with tea-leaves, which not only lay all dust, but give a slightly fragrant smell to the room. It is now in order for the reception of the family, and where there is neither footman nor parlour-maid, she now proceeds to the dressing-room, and lights her mistress's fire, if she is in the habit of having one to dress by. Her mistress is called, hot water placed in the dressing-room for her use, her clothes, as far as they are under the housemaid's charge, put before the fire to air, hanging a fire-guard on the bars where there is one, while she proceeds to prepare the breakfast. 2301. In summer the housemaid's work is considerably abridged. She throws open the windows of the several rooms not occupied as bedrooms, that they may receive the fresh morning air before they are occupied. She prepares the breakfast-room by sweeping the carpet, rubbing tables and chairs, dusting mantel-shelf and picture-frames with a light brush, dusting the furniture and beating and sweeping the rug. She cleans the grate when necessary, and replaces the white paper, or arranges the shavings with which it is filled, leaving everything clean and tidy for breakfast. It is not enough, however, in cleaning furniture, just to pass lightly over the surface. The rims and legs of tables, and the backs and legs of chairs and sofas, should be rubbed vigorously daily. If there is a bookcase, every corner of every pane and ledge requires to be carefully wiped, so that not a speck of dust can be found in the room. 2302. After the breakfast-room is finished, the housemaid should proceed to sweep down the stairs, commencing at the top, whilst the cook has the charge of the hall, doorstep, and passages. After this she should go into the drawing-room, cover up every article of furniture that is likely to spoil, with large dusting-sheets, and put the chairs together by turning them seat to seat, and in fact make as much room as possible, by placing all the loose furniture in the middle of the room, whilst she sweeps the corners and sides. When this is accomplished, the furniture can then be put back in its place, and the middle of the room swept, sweeping the dirt, as before said, towards the fireplace. The same rules should be observed in cleaning the drawing-room grates, as we have just stated, putting down the cloth before commencing, to prevent the carpet from getting soiled. In the country a room would not require sweeping thoroughly like this more than twice a week, but the housemaid should go over it every morning with a dustpan and broom, picking up every crumb and piece she may see. After the sweeping she should leave the room, shut the door, and proceed to lay the breakfast. Where there is neither footman nor parlour-maid kept, the duty of laying the breakfast-cloth rests on the housemaid. 2303. Before laying the cloth for breakfast, the heater of the tea-urn is to be placed in the hottest part of the kitchen-fire, 
or, where the kettle is used, boiled on the kitchen fire, and then removed to the parlour, where it is kept hot. Having washed herself free from the dust arising from the morning's work, the housemaid collects the breakfast things on her tray, takes the breakfast cloth from the napkin press, and carries them all on the tray into the parlour, arranges them on the table, placing a sufficiency of knives, forks, and salt cellars for the family, and takes the tray back to the pantry, gets a supply of milk, cream, and bread, fills the butter-dish, taking care that the salt is plentiful, and soft and dry, and that hot plates and egg-cups are ready where warm meat or eggs are served, and that butter-knife and bread-knife are in their places. And now she should give the signal for breakfast, holding herself ready to fill the urn with hot water, or hand the kettle, and take in the rolls, toast, and other eatables, with which the cook supplies her, when the breakfast-room bell rings, bearing in mind that she is never to enter the parlour with dirty hands or with a dirty apron, and that everything is to be handed on a tray, that she is to hand everything she may be required to supply on the left hand of the person she is serving, and that all is done quietly and without bustle or hurry. In some families, where there is a large number to attend on, the cook waits at breakfast whilst the housemaid is busy upstairs in the bedrooms, or sweeping, dusting, and putting the drawing-room in order. 2,304 Breakfast served, the housemaid proceeds to the bedchambers, throws up the sashes, if not already done, pulls up the blinds, throwing back curtains at the same time, and opens the beds by removing the clothes, placing them over a horse, or, failing that, over the backs of chairs. She now proceeds to empty the slops. In doing this, everything is emptied into the slop-pail, leaving a little scalding hot water for a minute in such vessels as require it, adding a drop of turpentine to the water when that is not sufficient to cleanse them. The basin is emptied, well rinsed with clean water, and carefully wiped, the ewers emptied and washed, finally the water-jugs themselves emptied out and rinsed and wiped dry. As soon as this is done she should remove and empty the pails, taking care that they also are well washed, scalded, and wiped as soon as they are empty. 2305 Next follows bed-making, at which the cook or kitchen-maid, where one is kept, usually assists, but, before beginning, velvet chairs or other things injured by dust should be removed to another room. In bed-making the fancy of its occupant should be consulted. Some like beds sloping from the top towards the feet, swelling slightly in the middle, others perfectly flat. A good housemaid will accommodate each bed to the taste of the sleeper, taking care to shake, beat, and turn it well in the process. Some persons prefer sleeping on the mattress, in which case a feather-bed is usually beneath, resting on a second mattress, and a straw paillasse at the bottom. In this case the mattresses should change places daily, the feather-bed placed on the mattress, shaken, beaten, taken up, and opened several times, so as thoroughly to separate the feathers. If too large to be thus handled, the maid should shake and beat one end first, and then the other, smoothing it afterwards equally all over, into the required shape, and place the mattress gently over it. Any feathers which escape in this process a tidy servant will put back through the seam of the tick. She will also be careful to sew up any stitch that gives way the moment it is discovered. The bedclothes are laid on, beginning with an under-blanket and sheet, which are tucked under the mattress at the bottom. 
The bolster is then beaten and shaken, and put on, the top of the sheet rolled round it, and the sheet tucked in all round. The pillows and other bedclothes follow, and the counterpane over all, which should fall in graceful folds, and at equal distance from the ground all round. The curtains are drawn to the head, and folded neatly across the bed, and the whole finished in a smooth and graceful manner. Where spring mattresses are used, care should be taken that the top one is turned every day. The housemaid should now take up in a dustpan any pieces that may be on the carpet. She should dust the room, shut the door, and proceed to another room. When all the bedrooms are finished, she should dust the stairs and polish the handrail of the banisters, and see that all ledges, window-sills, etc., are quite free from dust. It will be necessary for the housemaid to divide her work, so that she may not have too much to do on certain days, and not sufficient to fill up her time on other days. In the country bedrooms should be swept and thoroughly cleaned once a week, and to be methodical and regular in her work the housemaid should have certain days for doing certain rooms thoroughly. For instance, the drawing-room on Monday, two bedrooms on Tuesday, two on Wednesday, and so on, reserving a day for thoroughly cleaning the plate, bedroom candlesticks, etc., etc., which she will have to do where there is no parlour-maid or footman kept. By this means the work will be divided, and there will be no unnecessary bustling and hurrying, as is the case where the work is done any time, without rule or regulation. 2306. Once a week, when a bedroom is to be thoroughly cleaned, the housemaid should commence by brushing the mattresses of the bed before it is made. She should then make it, shake the curtains, lay them smoothly on the bed, and pin or tuck up the bottom valance, so that she may be able to sweep under the bed. She should then unloop the window curtains, shake them, and pin them high up out of the way. After clearing the dressing-table and the room altogether of little articles of china, etc., etc., she should shake the toilet-covers, fold them up, and lay them on the bed, over which a large dusting-sheet should be thrown. She should then sweep the room, first of all sprinkling the carpet with well-squeezed tea-leaves, or little freshly pulled grass, when this is obtainable. After the carpet is swept, and the grate cleaned, she should wash with soap and water, with a little soda in it, the washing-table apparatus, removing all marks or fur round the jugs caused by the water. The water-bottles and tumblers must also have her attention, as well as the top of the washing-stand, which should be cleaned with soap and flannel if it be marble. If of polished mahogany no soap must be used." When these are all clean and arranged in their places, the housemaid should scrub the floor, where it is not covered with carpet, under the beds and round the wainscot. She should use as little soap and soda as possible, as too free a use of these articles is liable to give the boards a black appearance. In the country cold soft water, a clean scrubbing brush, and a willing arm, are all that are required to make bedroom floors look white. In winter it is not advisable to scrub rooms too often, as it is difficult to dry them thoroughly at that season of the year, and nothing is more dangerous than to allow persons to sleep in a damp room. The housemaid should now dust the furniture, blinds, ornaments, etc., polish the looking-glass, arrange the toilet-cover and muslin, remove the cover from the bed, and straighten and arrange the curtains and counterpane. A bedroom should be cleaned like this every week. There are times, however, 
when it is necessary to have the carpet up. This should be done once a year in the country, and twice a year in large cities. The best time for these arrangements is spring and autumn, when the bed furniture requires changing to suit the seasons of the year. After arranging the furniture, it should all be well rubbed and polished, and for this purpose the housemaid should provide herself with an old silk pocket handkerchief to finish the polishing. 2307 As modern furniture is now nearly always French polished, it should often be rubbed with an old silk rubber or a fine cloth or duster to keep it free from smears. Three or four times a year any of the following polishes may be applied with very great success, as any of them make French polished furniture look very well. One precaution must be taken, not to put too much of the polish on at one time, and to rub, not smear, it over the articles. Furniture Polish 2308 Ingredients One quarter pint of linseed oil, one quarter pint of vinegar, one ounce of spirits of salts, one half ounce of muriatic antimony. Mode Mix all well together, and shake before using. Furniture Polish 2309 Ingredients Equal proportions of linseed oil, turpentine, vinegar, and spirits of wine. Mode When used, shake the mixture well, and rub on the furniture with a piece of linen rag, and polish with a clean duster. Vinegar and oil rubbed in with flannel, and the furniture rubbed with a clean duster, produce a very good polish. Furniture Paste 2310 Ingredients 3 ounces of common beeswax, 1 ounce of white wax, 1 ounce of curd soap, 1 pint of turpentine, 1 pint of boiled water. Mode. Mix the ingredients together, adding the water when cold, shake the mixture frequently in the bottle, and do not use it for 48 hours after it is made. It should be applied with a piece of flannel, the furniture polished with a duster, and then with an old silk rubber. 2311. The chambers are finished, the chamber candlesticks brought down and cleaned, the parlour lamps trimmed, and here the housemaid's utmost care is required. In cleaning candlesticks, as in every other cleaning, she should have cloths and brushes kept for that purpose alone. The knife used to scrape them should be applied to no other purpose. The tallow grease should be thrown into a box kept for the purpose. The same with everything connected with the lamp trimming. The best mode of doing which she will do well to learn from the tradesman who supplies the oil, always bearing in mind, however, that without perfect cleanliness, which involves occasional scalding, no lamp can be kept in order. 2312 The drawing and dining-room, inasmuch as everything there is more costly and valuable, require even more care. When the carpets are of the kind known as velvet pile, they require to be swept firmly by a hard whisk-brush made of coconut fibre. 2313 The furniture must be carefully gone over in every corner with a soft brush, that it may be left perfectly free from dust, or where that is beyond reach with a brush made of long feathers or a goose's wing. The sofas are swept in the same manner, slightly beaten, the cushions shaken and smooth. 
the picture frame swept, and everything arranged in its proper place. This, of course, applies to dining as well as drawing-room and morning-room. And now the housemaid may dress herself for the day, and prepare for the family dinner, at which she must attend. 2314. We need not repeat the long instructions already given for laying the dinner-table. At the family dinner, even where no footman waits, the routine will be the same. In most families the cloth is laid with the slips on each side, with napkins, knives, forks, spoons, and wine and finger-glasses, on all occasions. 2315. She should ascertain that her plate is in order, glasses free from smears, water-bottles and decanters the same, and everything ready on her tray, that she may be able to lay her cloth properly. Few things add more to the neat and comfortable appearance of a dinner-table than well-polished plate. Indeed, the state of the plate is a certain indication of a well-managed or ill-managed household. Nothing is easier than to keep plate in good order, and yet many servants, from stupidity and ignorance, make it the greatest trouble of all things under their care. It should be remembered that it is utterly impossible to make greasy silver take a polish, and that as spoons and forks in daily use are continually in contact with grease, they must require good washing in soap and water to remove it. Silver should be washed with a soapy flannel in one water, rinsed in another, and then wiped dry with a dry cloth. The plate so washed may be polished with the plate rags, as in the following directions. Once a week all the plate should receive a thorough cleaning with the hartshorn powder, as directed in the first recipe for cleaning plate, and where the housemaid can find time, rubbed every day with the plate rags. 2316. Hartshorn, we may observe, is one of the best possible ingredients for plate powder in daily use. It leaves on the silver a deep dark polish, and at the same time does less injury than anything else. It has also the advantage of being very cheap. Almost all the ordinary powders sold in boxes containing more or less of quicksilver, in some form or another, and this, in process of time, is sure to make the plate brittle. If any one wishes to be convinced of the effect of quicksilver on plate, he has only to rub a little of it on one place for some time, on the handle of a silver teaspoon, for instance, and he will find it break in that spot with very little pressure. To clean plate. A very excellent method. 2317. Wash the plate well to remove all grease, in a strong lather of common yellow soap and boiling water, and wipe it quite dry. Then mix as much hartshorn powder as will be required into a thick paste, with cold water or spirits of wine. Smear this lightly over the plate with a piece of soft rag, and leave it for some little time to dry. When perfectly dry, brush it off quite clean with a soft plate brush, and polish the plate with a dry leather. If the plate be very dirty or much tarnished, spirits of wine will be found to answer better than the water for mixing the paste. Plate Rags for Daily Use 2318 Boil soft rags. Nothing is better for the purpose than the tops of old cotton stockings. In a mixture of new milk and hartshorn powder, in the proportion of one ounce of powder to a pint of milk, boil them for five minutes, Wring them as soon as they are taken out, for a moment, in cold water, and dry them before the fire. With these rags rub the plate briskly as soon as it has been well washed, 
and dried after daily use. A most beautiful deep polish will be produced, and the plate will require nothing more than merely to be dusted with a leather or a dry soft cloth before it is again put on the table. 2319. For waiting at table, the housemaid should be neatly and cleanly dressed, and if possible her dress made with closed sleeves, the large open ones dipping and falling into everything on the table, and being very much in the way. She should not wear creaking boots, and should move about the room as noiselessly as possible, anticipating people's wants by handing them things without being asked for them, and altogether be as quiet as possible. It will be needless here to repeat what we have already said respecting waiting at table, in the duties of the butler and footman. Rules that are good to be observed by them are equally good for the parlour-maid or housemaid. 2320. The housemaid, having announced that dinner is on the table, will hand the soup, fish, meat, or side dishes to the different members of the family. But in families who do not spend much of the day together, they will probably prefer being alone at dinner and breakfast. The housemaid will be required, after all are helped, if her master does not wish her to stay in the room, to go on with her work of cleaning up in the pantry, and answer the bell when rung. In this case she will place a pile of plates on the table or a dumb-waiter, within reach of her master and mistress, and leave the room. 2321. Dinner over, the housemaid removes the plates and dishes on the tray, places the dirty knives and forks in the basket prepared for them, folds up the napkins in the ring which indicates by which member of the family it has been used, brushes off the crumbs in the hand-tray kept for the purpose, folds up the tablecloth in the folds already made, and places it in the linen-press to be smoothed out. After every meal the table should be rubbed, all marks from hot plates removed, and the table-cover thrown over, and the room restored to its usual order. If the family retire to the drawing-room, or any other room, it is a good practice to throw up the sash to admit fresh air, and ventilate the room. 2322. The housemaid's evening service consists in washing up the dinner-things, the plate, plated articles, and glasses, restoring everything to its place, cleaning up her pantry, and putting away everything for use when next required, lastly preparing for tea, as the time approaches, by setting the things out on the tray, getting the urn or kettle ready, with cream and other things usually partaken of at that meal. 2323. In summer-time the windows of all the bedrooms which have been closed during the heat of the day should be thrown open for an hour or so after sunset, in order to air them. Before dark they should be closed, the bedclothes turned down, and the night-clothes laid in order for use when required. During winter, where fires are required in the dressing-rooms, they should be lighted an hour before the usual time of retiring, placing a fire-guard before each fire. At the same time the night-things on the horse should be placed before it to be aired, with a tin can of hot water, if the mistress is in the habit of washing before going to bed. We may add that there is no greater preservative of beauty than washing the face every night in hot water. The housemaid will probably be required to assist her mistress to undress, and put her dress in order for the morrow, in which case her duties are very much those of the lady's maid. 2324. 
and now the fire is made up for the night, the fire guard replaced, and everything in the room in order for the night, the housemaid taking care to leave the candle and matches together in a convenient place, should they be required. It is usual in summer to remove all highly fragrant flowers from sleeping rooms, the impression being that their scent is injurious in a close chamber. 2325 on leisure days the housemaid should be able to do some needlework for her mistress, such as turning and mending sheets, and darning the house linen, or assist her in anything she may think fit to give her to do. For this reason it is almost essential that a housemaid in a small family should be an expert needlewoman, as, if she be a good manager and an active girl, she will have time on her hands to get through plenty of work. 2326 periodical cleanings. Besides the daily routine which we have described, there are portions of every house which can only be thoroughly cleaned occasionally, at which time the whole house usually undergoes a more thorough cleaning than is permitted in the general way. On these occasions it is usual to begin at the top of the house and clean downwards, moving everything out of the room, washing the wainscoting or paint with soft soap and water, pulling down the beds and thoroughly cleansing all the joints, scrubbing the floor, beating feather-beds, mattresses, and paillasse, and thoroughly purifying every article of furniture before it is put back in its place. 2327. This general cleaning usually takes place in the spring, or early summer, when the warm curtains of winter are replaced by the light and cheerful muslin curtains. Carpets are at the same time taken up and beaten, except where the mistress of the house has been worried into an experiment by the often reiterated question, Why beat your carpets? In this case, she will probably have made up her mind to try the cleaning process, and arranged with the company to send for them on the morning when cleaning commenced. It is hardly necessary to repeat that on this occasion every article is to be gone over, the French-polished furniture well rubbed and polished. The same thorough system of cleaning should be done throughout the house. The walls cleaned where painted, and swept down with a soft broom or feather-brush where papered. The window and bed-curtains, which have been replaced with muslin ones, carefully brushed, or, if they require it, cleaned. Lamps not likely to be required washed out with hot water, dried, and cleaned. The several grates are now to be furnished with their summer ornaments, and we know none prettier than the following which the housemaid may provide at a small expense to her mistress. Purchase two yards and a half of crinoline muslin, and tear it into small strips, the selvage way of the material, about an inch wide. Strip this thread by thread on each side, leaving the four centre threads. This gives about six and thirty pieces, fringed on each side, which are tied together at one end, and fastened to the trap of the register, while the threads, unravelled, are spread gracefully about the grate, the lower part of which is filled with paper shavings. This makes a very elegant and very cheap ornament, which is much stronger, besides, than those usually purchased. 2328. As winter approaches, this house-cleaning will have to be repeated, and the warm bed and window-curtains replaced. The process of scouring and cleaning is again necessary, and must be gone through, beginning at the top and going through the house down to the kitchens. 2329. Independently of these daily and periodical cleanings, 
other occupations will present themselves from time to time, which the housemaid will have to perform. When spots show on polished furniture, they can generally be restored by soap and water and a sponge, the polish being brought out by using a little polish, and then well rubbing it. Again, drawers which draw out stiffly may be made to move more easily, if the spot where they press is rubbed over with a little soap. 2330 Chips broken off any of the furniture should be collected and replaced, by means of a little glue applied to it. Liquid glue, which is sold prepared in bottles, is very useful to have in the house, as it requires no melting, and anything broken can be so quickly repaired. 2331. Breaking glass and china is about the most disagreeable thing that can happen in a family, and it is probably a greater annoyance to a right-minded servant than to the mistress. A neat-handed housemaid may sometimes repair these breakages, where they are not broken in very conspicuous places, by joining the pieces very neatly together with a cement made as follows. Dissolve an ounce of gum mastic in a quantity of highly rectified spirits of wine, then soften an ounce of isinglass in warm water, and finally dissolve it in rum or brandy till it forms a thick jelly. Mix the isinglass and gum mastic together, adding a quarter of an ounce of finely powdered gum ammoniac. Put the whole into an earthen pipkin, and in a warm place, till they are thoroughly incorporated together. Pour it into a small phial, and cork it down for use. 2332. In using it, Dissolve a small piece of the cement in a silver teaspoon over a lighted candle. The broken pieces of glass or china being warmed, and touched with the now liquid cement, join the parts neatly together and hold in their places till the cement has set. Then wipe away the cement adhering to the edge of the joint, and leave it for twelve hours without touching it. The joint will be as strong as the china itself, and if neatly done it will show no joining. It is essential that neither of the pieces be wetted either with hot or cold water. USEFUL RECIPES FOR HOUSEMAIDS TO CLEAN MARBLE 2333 Mix with a quarter pint of soap lees, a half gill of turpentine, sufficient pipe clay and bullock's gall to make the whole into rather a thick paste. Apply it to the marble with a soft brush, and after a day or two, when quite dry, Rub it off with a soft rag. Apply this a second or third time, till the marble is quite clean. Another method. 2334. Take two parts of soda, one of pumice stone, and one of finely powdered chalk. Sift these through a fine sieve, and mix them into a paste with water. Rub this well all over the marble, and the stains will be removed. Then wash it with soap and water and a beautiful bright polish will be produced. To clean floor cloth. 2335. After having washed the floor cloth in the usual manner with a damp flannel, wet it all over with milk, and rub it well with a dry cloth, when a most beautiful polish will be brought out. Some persons use for rubbing a well-waxed flannel, but this in general produces an unpleasant slipperiness, which is not the case with the milk. To clean decanters. 2336. Roll up in small pieces some soft brown or blotting paper. Wet them and soap them well. Put them into the decanters about one quarter full of warm water. Shake them well for a few minutes, then rinse with clear cold water. 
wipe the outsides with a nice dry cloth, put the decanters to drain, and when dry they will be almost as bright as new ones. To brighten gilt frames. 2337. Take sufficient flour of sulphur to give a golden tinge to about one and a half pints of water, and in this boil four or five bruised onions, or garlic, which will answer the same purpose. Strain off the liquid, and with it, when cold, wash with a soft brush any gilding which requires restoring, and when dry it will come out as bright as new work. To preserve bright grates, or fire-irons from rust. 2338. Make a strong paste of fresh lime and water, and with a fine brush smear it as thickly as possible over all the polished surface requiring preservation. By this simple means all the grates and fire-irons in an empty house may be kept for months free from harm, without further care or attention. German Furniture Gloss 2339 Ingredients Half a pound yellow wax one ounce black rosin, two ounces of oil of turpentine. Mode. Cut the wax into small pieces, and melt it in a pipkin, with the rosin pounded very fine. Stir in gradually, while these two ingredients are quite warm, the oil of turpentine. Keep this composition well covered for use in a tin or earthen pot. A little of this gloss should be spread on a piece of coarse woolen cloth, and the furniture well rubbed with it. Afterwards, it should be polished with a fine cloth. End of section 96. Read by Kara Schallenberg on September 28, 2007, in Oceanside, California.